Welcome to the Sober Twin Cities Podcast, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories of sobriety and recovery from addiction right here in the Twin Cities. My name is Dustin Lee. I'm your host. And thanks so much for checking out today's episode. If you are new to the show, thanks for being here. And if you've listened before, thanks for coming back. Before I get started today, I did want to take a quick second to share my sincere appreciation for the continued support of me and the podcast. Since the start of the show and my recovery journey, I've been deeply inspired by your words of encouragement and your willingness to share your personal experience and, of course, your generous donations. I'm doing this to create awareness and to provide support for anybody who struggles with addiction and for those of you who might have someone in your life that is struggling. But most importantly, I'm here for me. Working through the episodes really helps me to keep on track. Uh, It holds me accountable to my commitment to sobriety. The journey isn't easy, and if I can help you on your path in any way, I'm more than happy to do that. And for those of you who have been here before, you know that I put it all out there. You know, I've been asked the question a few times, and I've heard some comments Like, how does it feel to be so vulnerable? Or, I can't believe you're being so honest. That's really personal. And yeah, all of that is true. But like I said, I'm I'm doing this because I want to create awareness and provide support. And if I'm guarded or afraid to speak my truth, or maybe even of what somebody might think of me, then really what's the point? Because I believe that in a way, that's part of the problem. It's the fear. So if you can conquer the fear, you'll be well on your road to recovery. So today I've decided to answer some of the most common questions that I've heard, and those are about friendships and how they've been affected by my recovery, and how can you support those that you know that are in recovery. Later on, I'll also take a look at some of the strategies that I use for being in a social situation where not that long ago I would have been drinking. So what will my friends think? You know, that's a really big question, and it was also a big consideration when I was deciding to get help and get sober, because it's a really hard one to answer. Everybody has their own opinion, and honestly, a stereotype when it comes to alcoholism or addiction, or who is or what is an alcoholic. I mean, truthfully, I know I did. But thankfully, after going through the process, It opened my eyes and my mind to the idea that addiction can take hold of anyone. Doesn't matter your social status or your wealth or your career. Doesn't have to be drugs or alcohol either. It can be almost anything. Shopping or exercise, food, money, gambling, people, you name it, it can come in any form. So when you commit to getting sober and you have your own reasons to do so, I think one of the most important things to do is be prepared for how your friends and your family are going to respond. What I learned is that sobriety has this really unique way of kind of filtering your social circle, and you're going to find out quickly who's there to support you and who isn't. And I don't really have a good explanation of why some people do kind of turn away. I'm not sure if it's that they don't know how to act or what to say or if it makes them take just a little closer look at their own addictions or habits, and they start to realize that they might be in the same boat, I mean, I really don't know. But for me, there have been two pretty consistent responses that I've seen when I did finally quit and start treatment. 
The first was, I guess, who you could call the all-in supporter. And those are the ones who immediately say things like, good for you, or that's awesome, I'm really happy for you. And they're not afraid to ask questions. They'll show you a, a genuine concern and an interest in why you've made the decision. I mean, clearly I'm not afraid to talk about it. So when people ask me questions, I'm more than happy to answer. And I'm going to give you the truth. Because at the end of the day, my recovery is exactly that. It's mine. It's up to me to make sure that I stay committed, stay on track. But having a strong support system from those close to you, it makes it a heck of a lot easier. And I appreciate each and every one of you who have continued to support me in this way. Now, the second group, they'll respond much differently and are potentially a little less supportive. And I would like to think that most are just not sure how to act or they don't know what to do. But there are some people that just really don't care. And that's okay because this is my thing. It's not yours. It's mine, like I said. There was an interaction that did stand out to me. And it was early on when I was talking with a friend and I mentioned, you know, I decided to get sober and, and I'm going to treatment to help me, you know, do the right thing. And their first response was to apologize to me. Now that caught me off guard just a little bit um, because it didn't feel like it was a, you know, and I'm sorry you have to go through this. But instead it felt more like a, I'm sorry you can't drink with me anymore. And either way, it made me realize that there's really not enough awareness about what getting sober or getting help really means. In my case, at least after I could really see where I was, I quickly got past the poor me phase where, oh no, I'll never be able to drink again. You know, how am I going to stay entertained? And it didn't take long for my mindset to change to, I choose not to drink again. Taking the first step to admit that you have a problem and then when you're ready, of course, to communicate that to those around you, that takes a lot of courage and that's a big win. Another pretty common reaction that I had seen is that you do have some folks who are going to skip the questions and start to, you know, not necessarily defend their own drinking habits, but more or less justify out loud why they don't have a problem. I heard things like, I only drink on these specific days, or I usually take Monday and Tuesday off, but I've even heard, yeah, you know what? I should probably slow down myself. And whatever it is, I'll say it again, that's on you. You have to make that decision for yourself. Through my experience, I believe that if there's that much effort being put into the amount or the days in which you're drinking, take a break, you know? Not just sober October or dry January, but can you go longer than that? And again, I just want to be clear that I'm in no way trying to be judgmental in what I'm saying, but I've been there. I've said those things out loud. I've asked myself those questions. So next, I think it's important to answer the question, what can you do? I've heard from a lot of you that you're not sure how to support someone who's sober and you don't want to come off as being offensive or inconsiderate. And I totally get that. And I understand that that is a really confusing place to be in. If you're someone who still drinks and you know somebody who's in recovery, what are some of the things that you can do to support us? I mean, honestly, there's no rule book, right? And I'm still winging it as I go. But the fact is, 
I'm the same person. I just choose not to drink. However, small gestures really go a long way. Making sure that you have alternatives for us non-drinkers. Sparkling water, ginger ale, ginger beer, those types of things. And I think it's also okay to ask. If you're going to host a party or you're planning a night out, just ask. I've had friends that have done just that. And I wanted to share a couple of examples. Shortly after I got sober, and I'm talking like a week, I was headed to a weekend recording session with my college band. We had rented a cabin near Iowa City. We were planning on setting up our gear and recording some demos. In the past, of course, I would have been drinking beer the whole time, but that was going to be different this time around. And since it was pretty new, I did mention it to one of the guys, and he asked me, hey, should we just make this a no-alcohol weekend? And he really had no problem asking that question or making that decision. I very much appreciated the offer, but I did let him know that you all don't have to change your plans just because of a decision I made. I was happy to drink some NAs while we were there, and the rest of them could just proceed business as usual. And you know what? That's how it went, and we had a great weekend. Another quick example that comes to mind is my weekly golf group throughout the season. This is something that I hear a lot about. You know, my friends would say, how are you going to make it through an entire round without any beers? I mean, that's part of the deal. And yes, it is part of the deal. But again, I don't want anyone to feel like they need to change what they're doing just because of a decision that I made. So although it's frowned upon at most courses, or I guess probably all courses, I bring my own N.A. beer to the round. I mean, it's no big deal if you bring a water or a LaCroix or coffee, right? So what's the difference if I bring some N.A.? And it's pretty much common practice that after the round, you gather in the parking lot, you crack a few beers, and you talk about the round, right? Good shots, bad shots, what you could have done better. Could always do something better. And one of the guys in our group, the one that typically always has the cooler in the back of his truck, he had N.A. options, even some root beer that was kind of nice on a hot day. Or if I had some extra N.A., that would work too. And at the end of the day, let's be honest, sober golf is better golf. So like I said, it's the small gestures that really go a long way for those of us in recovery. And making a few changes with yourself that will then slowly become your new routine, they really work. It may take a little time to get used to, but once I did it, I don't even think twice. Next, I want to talk a little bit about what it's like going to a social gathering where I know that a few hundred days ago I would have been tying one on. Well, that part is getting easier, but still not easy. And there are really two ways to approach it. You can stop doing or going to the places where you used to drink, or you can create a plan to handle it. As you know, I'm a musician, and my wife Carrie and I love to go out and watch live music. And honestly, this is not something that I'm willing to stop doing, so I really had to put some thought into how to make this work. So before I go to any show, an event, a party, or anything that centers around drinking, I have to put some effort in or some thought into a pre, during, and post plan. So what does that really look like? Before a social gathering of any kind, I almost have to play out what the entirety of the day or night is going to look like. What's the focus? Who's going to be there? What kind of expectations are we looking at? 
If it's a restaurant, for example, I'll look at the menu ahead of time so that I can see what kind of non-alcoholic drinks they have, if any. And this is nothing new for any of us. I'm pretty sure that most people I know look at the menu of a restaurant online before they go. And although a lot of restaurants here in the Twin Cities do have some NA options, that's not always the case. So if I'm going to need to be in the mindset that my drink that night is going to be soda and lime, I want to be prepared for that. So let's say we're going to a dinner party or to watch a game. I make sure that I have enough of whatever it is I'll be drinking so that I'm not left in some sort of a fear of missing out situation. So I usually bring some N.A. beer and then I like to have Topo Chico and plenty of lime. If I'm able to keep my hands occupied, that'll usually fulfill the routine part of the situation. This past weekend, we decided to go out and see some live music at the Fine Line here in Minneapolis. They had a couple of NA options at the bar, and it's it's kind of funny how when you're sober, you become more aware of who isn't drinking. And as I was kind of surveying the crowd, looking around, I noticed that there were quite a few people drinking the same thing that I was. And it was a really good feeling to know that I wasn't the only one and proof that it can be done. All it takes is a little bit of thought and a plan, and you'll be able to navigate the usual social events that you're used to. You know, I realize I've been running through this all kind of quick, and I'm making it sound like it's pretty easy, but the fact is, it's not. You have to commit and stick to your plan. And if any time it doesn't seem like it's working out, leave. Rather than dealing with the stress, the triggers, or ending up disappointing yourself or those around you, make an exit, get to a safe place, call a friend, whatever you got to do. But if you do the work, you will really be surprised with your success. So in sharing all of this, I really hope that I was able to help you responsible drinkers out there. And of course, those of you that like me who are in recovery. Like I mentioned earlier, there's Really no rules. There's no guidebook on any of this. It's just what I've learned through my experience. I can't say that it's a foolproof plan and that it will work for you because it isn't and it might not. Obviously, I'm happy to talk about it and I encourage my friends and my family to ask me questions, but I know that it's not the case for everyone. And if you have ways of dealing with similar situations that are helpful to you and you think that they might be helpful to others, you can always email me directly and share at SoberTwinCitiesPodcast at gmail.com. I'd also love to hear your topic suggestions, answer any questions that you might have, but I also want to know about local events. And that being said, I do have a couple of sober fun events that I did want to talk about today. The first one, which I just found out about, and it was sent over by a friend, and it's a zero-proof dinner experience. And it caught my eye right away. It's happening on November 30th in YZ at Six Smith, great restaurant. And it's being described as an evening of elevated non-alcoholic wines and zero-proof cocktails. And they're pairing that with a five-course dinner prepared by the Six Smith culinary team. And to make the event happen, they're partnering with an organization called Zero Proof Collective. And the Zero Proof Collective are the curators of the event and the guest speakers for the evening. Now, I will say that if there's one thing I do miss in my sobriety, 
it's red wine. And I've been having a hard time finding a replacement. And to be quite honest, the search for a good non-alcoholic wine can be expensive, especially if you don't find something that you like. So I'm really looking forward to this event and hopefully finding my new non-alcoholic wine. So for more information here, you can head over to the Six Smith website and check out their events page. That is six, the number six, smith.com. So how about something free? Well, last weekend, my family took advantage of the Walker Art Center's free first Saturday. This happens on the first Saturday of each month, and minus the parking, it really is free. You just check in when you get there, and then you're able to walk around the galleries. There were also a couple of areas uh, where you could make art with the kids, some short film screenings, gallery tours. They even had a DJ in the lobby. It's a really nice family-friendly way to spend some time on a Saturday, uh, especially with the winter months that are on their way. So make sure you check that out, the Walker Art Center's free first Saturday. And don't forget, I do my best to keep my website up to date. That is SoberTwinCitiesPodcast.com. You can head there for some resources as far as treatment centers, meetings, and even some of the books that I've been reading. You can also follow me on Instagram. It's at SoberTwinCitiesPodcast. And that way you can make sure you don't miss out on any updates or new episodes. And lastly, don't forget that you can listen to the show now on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening today and, of course, for the continued support. And please don't hesitate to share this podcast with a friend. So with gratitude, we'll see you next time on the Sober Twin Cities Podcast.